Greetings and welcome to the For the Ride podcast. I'm your host, Adam Vanderveen. As a reminder, as always, the views and opinions expressed on this episode are solely those of myself and the guest and not representative of Triumph Motorcycles America or Triumph Motorcycles Limited. So today's guest is Jesse Spade. He is a custom motorcycle builder and most recently the project manager of a television show called The Ride That Got Away. Let's go ahead and dive right in with Jesse. I got the key. To the highway, I'm all packed down the road. Lord, let me ride out tomorrow, honey. I won't be back no more. Big news for you this year. Uh, you picked up uh, a role on this television show that you just mentioned as a project manager. Yep. Yep. So I'm doing, uh, I'm kind of head of the build team, uh, making sure all the, um, you know, cars get completed all the time, get the parts in, get the cars in, get them painted. Um, so basically the premise of the show is similar to overhauling, but we're not doing people's existing cars. We find stories of people who, um, had to sell a car in the past due to some kind of hard times, you know, had, uh, whether it was their kids, a lot of veterans and, um, cancer survivors, stuff like that, you know? So we find a car similar to, uh, what they had before. And they have we have like an accomplice or friend or family, whatever, that kind of writes in and um, tells us a story and we find the right car and we build it real custom and um, it's really cool. It's nice. It's And they actually get it for free, which is the coolest thing. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's not like on a game show where you get a car and then you have to pay taxes on it and all that. It's it's actually, uh, and they're really surprised. Like, Well, yeah. So, so somebody's writing in on their behalf and they have no idea that any of this is happening. No. Uh-uh. Okay. So I always wondered about that. Like I've never, you know, you always watch these shows on TV and you're like, oh man, they're not really building those cars and these people know and it's all fake. But I'll tell you, like what we're doing is all real. We're really building the cars. The people are really surprised. They're really getting them for free, you know. Sweet. Well, actually, so I, I have the the trailer uh, for the show right here. Do you want to you want to listen to it? <laughs> well, well, no, you can. Yeah, do yeah, yeah, play, play it. Play it. Let's yeah. play it. Well, yeah. I'm Courtney Hansen, and I created Royal Garage, bringing on custom car designer and builder Troy Ladd. We've heard from people who want to reconnect with a beloved ride. I will do everything I can to help fulfill this dream for my husband. These cars have a personal attachment, so you're not just getting kind of built custom. It's ground up. My mom's gonna love this for sure. <laughs> A lot of guys build cars with their hands. These guys are building cars with their hearts. We built you your ride that got away. I've been shocked. All right, so so there it was. That must have been uh, season one then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that was Troy Ladd. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's like a kind of a hot rod legend in L.A. Okay. And, um, so in his place this year, uh, we have Will Posey from Big O Garage in Alabama. Gotcha. Super experienced, talented, uh, well-known hot rod builder also. All right. I, what happened with that change up? Do you think? Uh, location. They filmed in LA for the last season. Oh, right on. Yeah. Okay. And so now they're filming here and, um, you know, it's just a whole different crew. There's, there's one guy on the bill crew, uh, RJ who's in from last season and then Courtney. And then other than that, it's completely new cast. Okay. And then, uh, the garage, uh, I found this, uh, Royal garage. Is that, uh, the old one or the new one? No. So the Royal is, um, uh, you know, the ride that got away is the show and the Royal garage is kind of the team. You know, okay. that's the, the so, so the team goes anywhere. It's not a necessarily a physical garage. It's exactly, just, a, it, yeah. it's the build crew. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. The garage is a set basically. I mean, it's an actual shop, but it, it can be wherever. All right. Very cool. So how did you find your way onto this? big project here well um you know my friend brian fuller was supposed to do the show was supposed to be uh the designer you know will's part and um they talked to me last fall about uh jumping in and helping out and um brian uh kind of went another way they were going to do it at his shop and he was just he just couldn't do it and um i just didn't really hear anything else about it and then they started filming back in june and um, they had their whole crew and they made it through their first week. And I guess their project manager just wasn't who they were looking for. And so Courtney calls me at like three 30 on a Sunday and I'm working in my shop. I'm, you know, I was super busy at the time. And, um, 
she's like, Hey, you know, we got this thing. She explained the whole thing to me. And she's like, do you think you can, uh, come check it out and we can, you know, talk about you coming on the show? I was like, yeah. Um, you know, I'll be around this week, whatever. She's like, yeah, can you kind of come now? <laughs> I was like, well, so were they in the middle of a build? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Okay. They, they had just started, they had just finished. Basically we film uh, Wednesday through Sunday and this was Sunday. So they had gone through a whole, their first week. It was the first week they had uh, filmed. And um, so she called me at like three 30, uh, shut down the shop, got cleaned up, hopped on a bike and um, went and met her like five 30. And, they were running around like crazy, and uh, she talked to me, told me the deal, and um, I kind of told her what I would have to do to make it work because I, you know, I still had stuff going on in my place. Well, yeah, I mean, and I remember at the time we were even talking about doing a build together. Yeah, and, yeah, and, exactly. And, and then you, you had to let me know the news of, hey, I, I, I can't take any more projects right now. I'm, I'm you know, China changing courses a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I, I started doing a lot of. Um, uh, metal art, you know, I do the motorcycles, but also, uh, I do a lot of commercial metal art, like for hotels and, um, office buildings, restaurants, stuff like that. And I get all my work through this one art consulting firm. And, um, they like, they kept me really busy. Like, you know, I was doing a lot of stuff for them. And so I had to make a decision in one day, if I was going to just turn my life upside down for the next six months. And so I had to go tell them, like, sorry, uh, <laughs> right? I had, but luckily, I was kind of at the end of a couple, a couple projects. It, the timing was actually okay. Well, that's good. But, I mean, those are always hard conversations, yeah. no matter what. I I almost didn't sleep for a couple of days. Like, man, do I want to do this? Like, turn my life completely upside down. Um, but I just yoloed myself into it and had to go tell them, yeah, I can't take on any work for six months. I mean, all of the best opportunities, at least me personally, uh, I've sort of gotten to where I am today just by saying yes to things. Yeah, I'm uh, learning. Yep. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, you know, I got um, divorced a few years back and it was kind of a, you know, I made a turn, you know, you got to make a lot of decisions and um, yeah, a lot more yeses. Exactly. I, yeah, days. the opportunity knocks. You got to answer the door, and yeah. uh, it sounds like you did. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm going to put words in in your mouth that you are probably too humble to say, but it sounds like you saved that build. Uh no, nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> they, you know, the guy they had in there, um, it was a really experienced builder. Like I'm not a car builder, and I told him that. I was like, I can't. I came from years and years of uh, building Jeeps, which you would think is like building a car, but. I mean, there's no interior, there's no trim, there's no windows, you know, it's just a completely different, the suspension's super simple, and, um, and motorcycles. You know, I've built Jeeps and motorcycles my whole life, so I told him, I was like, I'm a decent fabricator, but, you know, and I know the process, the system, but, you know, get me in a, uh, building a 60s muscle car, and you're like, here's a piece of trim, and all that, I'm like, man, I have no idea, but. You know, I jumped in and it ended up being a good fit, you know? Yeah. You know. Well, and I don't know if, uh, it really the, the most important skill set as a project manager is truly managing versus you yeah. know, being the best car expert on, yeah, yeah. on the crew. Yeah. And we've got a couple guys, man, that are real, like Will knows everything about these cars. So, you know, it ended up, it didn't really matter. You know, it's just me kind of, um, you know, overseeing the builds, making sure everything's on track and, um, I, you know, and I'm working too. I'm, I'm in there. So it's, it's a fine line. I have to, sometimes I'm, I'm in it more than on it, you know? Well, right. And well, I, I need to be more on it. And, and I was sort of curious just, um, I mean, before talking to you today and, and just knowing what your, uh, your title with the show was, yeah. um, I, I wasn't sure if it was more kind of a, on the production side and managing things or, uh, on the build side. So it sounds like, I mean, it, it, you're, it's oh, really yeah. on the build side, so you're on air uh, at oh, this yeah. point. Oh, yeah. I'm in the trenches. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I, I, had you ever done any real on-air stuff prior to this? Um, I did a pilot with a Fuller, I don't know, four or five years ago, something like that. Um, that's really the only, you know, little, you know, being around Brian, he's a good friend of mine. He's always, he's known for being on TV, so um, sometimes I'm around at the right time to be on camera for a minute, but, not, you know, not not a project like like this not like this right yeah. so what was that learning curve for you really man they made it easy i didn't even didn't even really notice you know? okay and kinda, we're so busy like, like you, we are so busy so you're there you're doing work you're not 
pandering to the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, um, I mean, they do. They'll pull you to the side, do little interviews and stuff like that. But, um, but really, I mean, we're building these cars, complete, legit, full-on car builds in two weeks. You okay, know. and then so uh, a full car build two weeks. That's one episode. That's one episode. Yeah, they're hour episodes. Oh, that's a long time. Okay, well, it, turn, it, it ends up being like well, forty three minutes of but in an hour like block. Yeah, yeah. And the, what network is this going to be? Uh, history. History. Okay. Yep. Sometime twenty one. Yeah, it was supposed to, um, you know, start this fall, but with all the setbacks with COVID and whatever, we we've. Uh, we, I don't really. It's sometime in the spring, I hope. All right, and so sometime next spring, you'll officially be a TV star. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, they, they, I feel like this is actually bad, good and bad timing to have you on the podcast. I mean, it's, it's great that you're in a in a break from production and could make it down, but uh, yeah, you know, come next spring, you'd brought a whole bunch of new listeners. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to have you back. Yeah, I'd love to come back. All right, perfect. Come hang out. Well, so, um, so one car, um, 10 days, one episode, uh, how many episodes are, is going to be the, the full season then? 12. 12. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, how many do you got in the bag? Uh, we have, um, three completely finished and then four ready to be put together. Okay. So per, like, like, you know what the car is going to be in? No, no, no. They're already painted and. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Got yep. it. Just not edited, just not assembled, ready yeah. to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So. Right on. So then, um, well, I don't know. I mean, that that just sounds like a great show. Uh, how's everything with the the rest of the cast and crew? Good. Yep. Everybody's just kind of taking a break right now. You know, nobody on the show is in the TV business. Everybody's a builder or a whatever. Most guys have their own shop, so um, everybody's just kind of gone back to doing what they're doing until. Um, until we get the green light to come back. All right. So, so you kind of mentioned that uh, you had to make the hard decision on the like furniture design thing. So, what's your what's your downtime projects looking like? Bikes, bikes, bikes. Right yep. on. Yep. I got um, I've got I don't know four bikes I guess in the shop that need to be built. I mean, um, bikes are hot right now. I know. I, like, I'm afraid it's going to take me so long to build them by the time I get them together. I was like, yeah, we're kind of over it. We're, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're talking about it with uh, one of my coworkers in the hall a little bit. That I mean, yeah. it's a like it, tough times right now, but a lot of people are out there riding, which is which is very cool. So yeah, I know it's it's weird. You know, I know there are a lot of people out of work, which is awful. Um, but you know, our industry, all any kind of automotive and motorsports, anything recreational really is, um, just record, record year right now. It's crazy. Yeah, it's great. So then, um, you know, since, since you started filming and there's such high demand, if you had to turn down on a good amount of projects? Uh, yeah, I haven't really, I haven't taken on anything. I've had people call me for bike stuff and, um, you know, the bike stuff for me has kind of, uh, which has turned out to be really good because I can, um, enjoy it more like i was doing bikes full-time before and anybody who builds bikes or know anybody who builds bikes there's not a lot of money in custom bikes you just can't um you can't charge enough you know for your time it takes a lot of time to build a bike and um the you know it's not like the cars people will go you know they'll spend two three four five hundred thousand dollars on a custom car to be built but uh bike wise not know, the case yeah nah. so th- but this is good because i you know uh my main income is is um from the art and i get to cherry pick the bike job so it's nice and even do some spec bikes which i really enjoy uh because i don't you know i just get to do them exactly how i want to do them all um, right yeah well you're my uh you're our first builder uh, that we've had uh, on the show so the first guest is, so i'm gonna take the time to just learn you know how one even becomes that and then you know what it looks like you are, but, uh, let's take it back a little bit. Uh, did you grow up in the Atlanta area? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I wasn't born here, but, um, I moved here when I was really young, seven. And, um, so I grew up kind of Northern suburbs, East Cobb, Roswell. Okay. And then, uh, I I think, did you get into both riding and building at uh, somewhat of a young age? Uh, riding. Yeah. I started riding. Um, I guess I was nine or 10. 
and never it didn't stop. I rode all the way through, um, you know, high school or so, you know, dirt bikes and whatever, and then took a break, kind of, you know, got into cars and girls and whatever, and then um, got my first street bike like in '99, I think. And I was in the I was in the custom Jeep business at the time, and um, you know had to modify everything that I owned. So got my first street bike, blew it apart, painted it, you know, exhaust, jet, blah blah blah, you know, custom bike, first one, um, CBR six hundred F three. I still would like to have another one of those. <laughs> and um, that's kind of how I got into uh, the custom bike stuff. Was well, since you actually you started on the the Jeep side. Yeah, you mentioned. Okay, what got you into that? Uh, I don't know. You know, I was in high school and um, I bought a Jeep. You know, Jeeps are really popular. I bought an auto, bought a '78 CJ7 um, V8 side pipes, no top. You know, really cool. Um, and then I got a job at the Jeep dealership as a service porter, um, parking cars, pulling up customer cars. Um, what you know, just seven bucks an hour or whatever you made back then. And, um, made my way through the dealership and got into the parts department, started doing parts. Um, and there was a company that worked with the dealership doing accessories, sold us accessories and, you know, they would bolt on, they weren't even doing lift kits yet, just some wheels, tires, like Nerf bars and light guards and stuff like that. And, um, you know, really cool group of people. I started talking to them and they said, Hey, we need some help at our place so i started going on the weekends you know there Fortech. um they were in buckhead the german guy it was it was awesome it was looking back it was a fun situation um but and then i just fell in love with jeeps and you know jeeps are cool for people who like to tinker because um they're they're less like a vehicle and more like a erector set you know they're just infinitely repairable and you know you can modify them and build them just Everything's flat. The door hinges are on the outside. The hood hinges, and you know the the lights just kind of come off, and just, uh, everything's accessible. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's okay. cool. It's like a, you know, it's almost like you would get it in a big crate, like a model car with the pieces all separate, and just have to put it together. You know, um, and so from there, I went and I started working full time with them, um, and then worked my way up. Ended up um, uh, branching off years later. Uh, opened my own shop still with them as partners, you know, license and name and stuff and was doing pretty well. Um, I think 2014 was my last year doing the Jeep stuff. We did a lot of dealership work, which is nice, you know, brand new Jeeps and, um, and the money was good, but, but going back, you know, I, I, I started doing my bikes and that was always my side stuff. Like starting in 99 did that. And then all of a sudden, um, I found it was cheaper to buy rec bikes so I started building Street Fighters. Like I'd I'd buy these wrecked CBRs and stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I've seen some of your projects, and it, it looks like you're. If it wasn't a wrecked bike, you'd be taking off most yeah. most of the good components, anyways. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah I get them. I get them as naked as possible. Like I don't like any of the extra stuff. It comes and goes. Now and then, I'm like, yeah, that fairing looks pretty cool, you know. But um, still, they've all been naked so far. But I, I was doing a lot of. Uh, street fighters through the years and people liked them and i'd buy them and sell them make a little money that was back in the day hopefully those days are coming again where you know if you bought a bike or bought a jeep i used to flip jeeps back then too that um if you bought something you know fix it up and put it up for sale you were going to sell it you know and sure you, just because the, the demand was there yeah yeah and you could make some money on it and that was fun and then you know in the last few years oh my god i can't couldn't give a bike away you know like just custom stuff or anything I bought to flip, I ended up not making any money on. Um, but I always wanted back then to be in the motorcycle business, but I, you know, being in the Jeep business, I saw how much money was in that and, um, just knew that the bike stuff wasn't, it kept it fun. Sure. You know, just did what I want. And, uh, and yeah. then in 2014, I was just so done with the Jeep stuff. I can't even tell you, it was a terrible business decision, you know, cause I was, doing fine business-wise doing the jeep stuff and uh i just couldn't take it anymore yeah like it sounds like your heart just wasn't in it at all man like 
and it hadn't been for years. I was just, oh, it's hard to get up in the morning, hard to go do it. And well, and in the, the way you were describing the Jeep, I mean, it's a, it's a great vehicle, but it's, um, say, very uniform. So, so if you want to be creative, uh, I don't know how much creativity there is with just with the, um, the. You can be, and especially what we were doing because we were doing mostly dealers, so it had to be. We couldn't really modify. To, it was all accessories, bolt-on stuff, right? Which is great. Like, you know, a lot of you know hardcore Jeep guys will knock on that stuff, but man, we were doing brand new Jeeps, which meant they're perfectly clean, right? Come in, just bolt stuff on. The guys who were buying them weren't taking them out, tearing them up. You know, so it was, I liked it. So it, no nightmare project. No, not, everything was really what it, well, you could estimate a job because there was no fabrication. Like people would come in and we were, uh, you know, we, we had all the parts. We had a, like a kind of a flat rate, you know, for all the parts to install. So I could tell them exactly how much the part was, how much it was to put on tax shop supplies. So when they came to pick the Jeep up, it was exactly the estimate I gave them, you know, so, which is way different from fabricating. <laughs> stuff right but. so uh so for you know a non-wise business move you decided to move away from that and then did, did you dive into bikes full-time yep so what sparked it was there was a guy down the street um mike really cool guy ran a ac shop on marietta street downtown i'm right downtown Atlanta, and um his shop was walking distance from mine i'd go down and hang out with him and uh he decided he was going to retire so i'm down there one day i went down to I don't know, get something from him. And we go back and, uh, you know, 50 years worth of stuff in the shop and um, walk back between these shelves and I see a motorcycle like under all these um, boxes, right? And a uh, hot pink gas tank kind of poking through. I was like, Mike, I knew he was into bikes. He, he's a BMW guy. He had a bunch of old BMWs up in the front of the shop. And... um I was like, Mike, what's this bike back here? He's like, oh, it's a, it's a, man, I've had that bike forever. It's my old Triumph. It was a 71 Tiger. And um, I was like, it's pretty cool. So I started moving boxes, just, you know, just checking out. I can't be around a motorcycle without checking it out, you know? And uh, I was like, what are you doing with this thing? He's, he's moving everything out. He's like, I don't know. You want it? And, oh, right. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I don't know, man. What do you want for it? He's like, He's like, I, he's like, I don't care. I, take it. I'm, I'm moving out. One less thing I gotta move. You know, I'm like, heck yeah, I'll take it for you. And it, my, I walk down to a shop. You know, it's like not oh, it's, far. Yeah, so, so it's like right a, there. It's like a quarter mile. It's not too far. But um, he's like, yeah, just come back later, and you know, we'll dig it out. I was like, no way. I was like, I'm not giving you time to change your mind. No, yeah, <laughs> take it now. Yeah. Take it and run. Yeah. So I'm digging this thing out, man. It's like all the way in the back of his pretty big shop between all these shelves and clearing the path. And, um, the bike had been sitting there. It was a 71. He bought it in 71. Some, some guy bought it brand new from the dealership, put like 200 miles on it. Wasn't fast enough for him. He traded it on a Trident and, uh, Mike bought it and actually raced it in the seventies. Um, and then in like late seventies, early, whenever Weira started up, when it was just era, it was just ERA. Um, he raced it with them. And then his son got it in like the early 80s and somebody uh, tried to jumpstart it and did it wrong and just fried the whole thing. And it had been sitting in that spot since like 1982. And, and he never tried to fix it? Nope. And was it, he was a bit of a custom guy? Uh, Mike wasn't really a custom guy, but he, he's, he's a mechanic. A, he, okay. Yeah. So just a straight mechanic shop, not less of a... Yeah. That's what you're uh, doing. Got and a it. car. He did car AC. That's what okay. he did. He, you know, motorcycles were his hobby. So, um, so anyway, that's kind of the bike that sparked the whole thing. So I get it outside and I push it back, flat tires and everything. Whatever I came to get, box, whatever, I just put on the seat and I just, on the sidewalk, I'm just, and it was filthy, man. Like, you know, for 30 something, 30 years of dirt, dust, warehouse, shop crap all over it. And, um, Got it back, and um, I decided I got it for free, so I wasn't going to put any money into it. So I, I named the bike uh, the Freeloader. <laughs> like it was in this, I wasn't. It wasn't in my plan to build bikes, you know. Like, but it had been a while since I'd done one of the Street Fighters, and I just wanted to do it. And um, got it back, and of course, like anything else, I started buying parts for it and and whatever. So that kind of kicked off the whole. I was like, man, I like this. 
you know. There you go. And that, was, and that was a Tiger? You said? That was a Tiger, yeah. So kind of a different style of bike for you to work on, too? Yeah. I'd never done a vintage bike before, and um, I haven't really done any since. I've got a uh, 79, 78 or 79 CB550 uh, that I'm working on right now. But, um, yeah, I, you know, traditionally have not been a, a vintage bike guy. I like looking at them. You know, oh, they're yeah. very cool. But I yeah. guess, um, you know, the complete custom fabrication and restoration are, are really two distinct kind of things a little bit. Yeah, the bikes I do get restored also. You know, I mean, they're custom, but they come down to outside of the engine internals. They come every nut and bolt comes off. You know, everything gets recoded. Everything gets redone. So it's really a restoration, too. Um and the vintage bikes are way easier to work on, way less wires, you know, just a lot less going on. They're just simpler, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Overall simple, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, so that's the that kind of, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm in a good spot. Um, I was married at the time. You know, my wife had a good job. My shop was cheap. All my equipment was paid for. I didn't have any debt. You know, I was like, if I'm going to make a leap, this is the time. And uh, so I immediately... Uh, a lot of Jeep guys are also bike guys. So I got lucky in that way that as soon as I said, hey, I'm going to build bikes, a couple of my Jeep customers brought me some bikes to build. You know. Perfect. Yeah. So That works out great. Well, and so, yeah, so you kind of mentioned that you were approaching customs uh, in two ways. So you're taking actual customer bikes from the start and then you're just doing some of your own and, and flipping them. What, yeah. What's the, the better recipe there? Mm, depends on better. Uh, Money-wise, you, if you want to make money, you have to do commission builds. Like, you have to, you know, charge by the hour and, you know, just so you get paid for your time. And um, there are guys who do it, and I've been lucky, man. I've, I've All my customers have been amazing. You know, I've never had any issues with anybody. Um, everybody pays. Everybody's, you know, they understand the value of what I'm doing and, um, uh, which has been really good. And I try to be upfront, like it's going to, you know, so what comes first, the, uh, the, the price or the idea? The idea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and a lot of people get, I actually try to scare people when they ask me to build a bike. Right. So guy called me two days ago. He had a, he crashed his Ducati 848 and, uh, he's like, Hey, I was on your website. I really like your bikes. And, um, I'm thinking about, you know, I crashed my bike. The fairings are all messed up. I'm thinking about just stripping it down and putting a headlight on it. And I told him, I was like, man, it's, you know, if you want something cool, it's not that easy, you know, because you got to strip all the tabs off the frame, which means you got to repowder coat the frame, which means you got to pull the motor out, which means that, you know, like everything's got to come apart and it gets, it's expensive. You we're, know? we're doing a lot here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, paint, get Dar to paint it, you know, and um, it's expensive, you know, to do any of that. So I, I try to. You know, and then, and then I know if they're like, okay, cool. You know, after I try to scare them off, if they're still into it, then, then, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to undersell it to anybody. That's the worst situation you sure. can be in. Yeah. You know, be, yeah, it won't be so bad. You know, just, to, I think a lot of people do that just to get it in the shop. And then they're like, yeah, you know, we can do something cool for three grand and then ends up being 15, you know? And yeah. Then, well, I'm, I'm the opposite. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I would just as a customer, I'd I'd want to set a budget ahead of time and just kind of know what yeah where I'm working with just to know yeah and it's hard like you know um, it's hard to estimate custom stuff you know I know right. a lot of guys have done it for a long time who won't do estimates they're like look it's going to be a lot and it's material parts plus time well and, and I'm sure you you find out some things once you start pulling it apart too right yeah well, that's the other thing you don't know you know. Um, you know, what's going to be going on with the bike, um, you know, and you, you get it apart and, you know, now it needs swing arm bearings and it needs, you know, steering stem bearings and, and all this stuff's gone bad. And, you know, the customer didn't see the crack, the dry rod cracks in the tires. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's just, so now I've gotten myself into a position where, uh, it can be fun again. You know, I do, um, need to make money on the bike stuff. But it's it can be I can kind of do it. It's not hobby level. I'm still, yeah, considering it part of my profession. But but you can pick and choose what you're going to work on and right. And that, yeah, that's a good place to be in. And yeah, and the bikes will be better, 
really. Exactly. You know, because yeah. I got more time. Um, you know, I still get to, you know, go show some stuff off at bike shows and events or whatever. So it's fun. Well, then uh, on the show side, uh, kind of how does that work? If, if you're doing a, a straight commission build, you know, and, and that bike gets shown, is it the the owner that's going to go show it or do you, you know, go show it or, or do you get any credit for it? Yeah, I'll get credit for it. Okay. Yeah. I'll usually be the one to take it. Oh, right you know. on. Yeah. So, well, so there, yeah. there's one, I know the, the big show in town, I've, I've never been to it yet. I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say, but, uh, the caffeine and octane. You haven't been to caffeine and no, octane? Oh no. man. You know what? It, it's one of, actually there, there was a time where, um, a couple months ago, uh, took the family up to Helen for Oktoberfest. Yeah. And we're, we're driving up and we're like, oh, we're, we're going right past it and it's tomorrow. And yeah. it, you know what? It's one of those things since it's been on my radar, which, um, it hasn't been the whole time I've been here. Um, so I've been here about a year and a half and I'd say the first year I just hadn't heard of it yet. And then yeah. since I have it, you know, it, it, it's always on a, it, there's always something going on on the weekends. So yeah, I, I got to make it out though. It's insane. Like it's really, there's some really nice cars. There aren't a lot of bikes that show up. Um, you know, I, I, uh, through Brian again, I know the, cause Brian hosts the caffeine and octane TV show. They have a TV show. So uh, Bruce and TJ, the guys that that run it, wanted to. They talked to me about setting up a bike motorcycle section at Caffeine and Octane, and um, I was like, there will be a lot of bikes that show up. Like if you advertise this, and they're like, ah, we don't. We just want to make sure nobody's like revving their engines and doing burnouts and wheelies. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, good luck. That's You're not, not going to be the one to guarantee uh, that. Uh, uh, I was like, that's going to happen. You know, well, so, it, you so know. does it not happen on the car side? There are a few, you know, all these turbo dudes, you know, will sit and ride their cars in the parking lot, whatever. But I, I think most people wanted to keep going on because it's at a mall. It's at Perimeter Mall. So, um, so is, is the big concern uh, a lot of tire tracks in the mall parking lot? I think it's the noise. Okay. You know, um, and, you know, the fear of somebody driving into people or whatever like they try to keep it tame and there are a lot of sandy springs police officers there to help keep it down but it's a fun event man it's really cool the cars are like if you've ever been to a, a nice car show then those cars are there yeah i mean it's not just you know somebody with their halfway restored 60s muscle car or whatever there's some really nice cars there and some customs and people always bring out weird stuff like military vehicles and is it is it the same ones every month or is no, it mm -mm. a lot? Some are the same, but um, that's the cool thing too. Is every time I go, I feel like at least half of them I've never seen before. Now, is that just by chance, or do they actively try to curate it that way? Uh, some, I think it's some of both because they have one corral. I don't. I call it the VIP corral. I don't know what they call it, but it's like a like a center part of the show where like the real cool custom stuff is and the real nice restorations. Um, and it's a lot of the same people, but you got to think, you know, some of these car guys have four or five cars, you know, so they'll bring one or two, one month and then another two, one, two, the next month. So it's all, it might be a lot of the same owners, but, uh, different. They're just rotating out their own fleet. Yeah. That's impressive right there. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. These guys got some, these old car guys, man, they got some nice cars. Some well, money in these let's things. get those guys into custom bikes. Yeah, exactly. So what would it take, do you think, to kind of grow the, the bike scene at that show? Um, a, a Facebook post, really. Okay. I mean, it, it wouldn't take much. There are some, um, uh, uh, like, a couple of dealers that show up and stuff like that. Sure, you sure. know, motorcycle dealers that'll bring and they'll set up a tent and... Uh, you know, I wonder if, uh, do you think those guys would maybe dedicate like one month uh, a little more heavy on, on the bike side? Maybe that uh, could be an angle. Yeah, I bet they would. So month before last, they did, I think they called it VW Invasion. So they highlighted Volkswagen. So they had a whole huge section of vintage, you know, buses and Beatles and stuff. Back well, that, then. yeah. So if they're, if they sort of try to have some sort of theme for the month, maybe that would work out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, and there are some bike guys there. I don't know if you know uh, John from Blue Moon Cycle. Um, he's been around town forever. He used to be a uh, have a BMW dealership, and now he deals in a lot of vintage bikes. But he always sets up and has these really cool old, a lot of times military bikes or you know stuff like that. Interesting. Um, well, I, you'll have to make some introductions for me. So if um, 
if that's not necessarily the main motorcycle display area, then where do you display some of your like best custom work then? Um, it would just be shows and events throughout the year. And I haven't done it in a couple of years, really. Well, you do like Barber, which didn't happen this year. Um, you know, and then there's some other shows uh, in the Southeast. But I, you know, it got to the point where, I don't know, man, it's a lot of work to go. Because I would always take a bunch of bikes. So I think going forward, I'll probably take one or two bikes and just sure. kind of something like that. Do you ever uh, travel to some of the, like the really big ones, like um, Hand Built or the One Show? I've been to hand build. I did not have a bike in the show, um, but that, that's the only, I guess the only one I've really, really traveled for. Okay. Yeah. Most of the ones I would do would be with, um, you know, kind of mixed in with racing. Like I go to, uh, mid Ohio and Barber and, um, stuff like that. Got it. Yeah. Man, a, a bummer that Barber didn't happen this year. I was really bummed. We, I mean, that is, you know. How kids look forward to Christmas every year. I look forward to Barber every That's year. That's your Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever? Uh, did, did you ever race? No. At all? No. Uh, okay. I used to do track days a bunch, and I think I'm going to get back into it. Um, and I want to race. I, I've always said I want to race one season before I die. No, create like uh, some kind of small displacement sort of formula class, so I can build a um, cool custom bike, but not super fast. Like I want to build like a 60 horsepower bike or something, you know, just to get out and yeah. mix it up with some other. So you do like Arma then, you think? Probably do Arma or Weira. Weira's got a Clubman class, um, class called Clubman that's um, that I, I, I could build a really cool small displacement Ducati motor for, and it's a formula class. So all else goes, like the one rule is the engine displacement, and other than that, go wild. So Well, that's right up your alley. Yeah, So and it's a bunch of other old guys that don't want to kill each other. Perfect. Nice. I don't want to get out in some class with some 17, 19 year old kids that are, you know, looking to go to MotoGP. Yeah. They're they're trying to, you know, they're looking for stepping stones and you don't, you don't want to be that. No, no, no. No, just go out there and have fun. I can't blame you at all. uh, Well, I'll look forward to that. Let me know when that happens. Yeah. Maybe sooner than later. I don't know. I've got, I got so many parts. I got enough parts to build something cool now. So we'll see. Right on. Um, so speaking of customs, uh, we haven't really talked about a lot of the cool Triumph stuff that you've worked on, uh, which is, uh, you sent me a bunch of photos ahead of time, but yeah. I mean, there's some pretty sweet builds here. Um, any of those stand out to you more than the others? Definitely the Tiger. You know, the first one, you know, that kind of kicked it off. Um, uh, I don't think you send me photos of that one, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's the one with the octopus on the tank. That's oh, the that's one. a Tiger? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I because I'm in my mind, right? I'm I'm thinking, you know, yeah, a modern adventure. Tiger oh no no no, seventy one tiger. Yeah. Okay. Six fifty, a little single carb. Man, yeah, and this thing um, is so stripped down. Oh yeah, yeah, monoshock. Um, I tried to, you know, I don't like to go full on modern with an old bike, um, so I kept conventional forks on it. Those forks are actually from a Honda Hawk GT, like an NT six fifty. Um, and so did you end up selling this one or did you keep it? I sold it. How did that feel? Bad. (laughs) Now I went to a cool guy, this guy, Matt Barney, who, um, he bought another one too. He bought the first Ducati I did also. Um, so he, he kind of collects custom bikes. He's got some cool, does he still have it? As far as I know. Okay. Yeah. So maybe one day I'll, I'll get it back. Get it back. I mean, I, I love everything about this. And by the way, I think, I think I might actually post some of these photos today, uh, just, okay, just to cool. tease our episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're so good. Nice. Um, but uh, what was the inspiration for the octopus? I don't know, man. I just have these. Um, I don't know. Like they just they people ask me like if there's some meaning to the octopus or and uh, to me it's just a visual thing. Like I like the, you know, the flowy tentacles and the suction cups and the weird looking head. Um, the big eyeball. <laughs> I don't know. It was just something that. Um, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's wild, and it, I mean, it's radically distinct from the uh, from this blue one. Yeah. So the blue one. Um, that's a guy who called me, um, who hadn't bought a bike yet, and he just. We had to start from scratch, really, with him. Are we looking at a, a T one hundred here? Uh, yes. Okay. It was a uh, black, I think, 
like black a, at the time. Yeah. yeah. And um, so you wanted the one that was all, what do they call it? Is it the, is it the Bonneville black? What was it? Was yeah, it or uh, the dark or what? what? In, in, I'm pretty sure just looking at it, it's a, a Bonneville T100 black. Black, yeah. Uh, they relatively black. modern. Oh, yeah. That was a 2017 or 18, I think. Something like okay. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's like one of the water cooled ones. Um, but so he had to deal with one dealership, you know, and I was like, well, hang on. Cause I had a buddy who owned another Triumph dealership, local dealership. And, uh, so I sent him the deal that he had at the other one. And so he matched it. So we ended up, uh, just getting a brand new bike and, um, Kyle, uh, that owned the dealership delivered it straight to me. So I don't, I don't even know that. Uh, the owner of the bike saw it, saw the bike until it was finished after I finished it. So he, he, you know, did a remote purchase bike was delivered to me. Uh, he had some very, um, specific things he wanted done to the bike. He had a, you know, which is nice. He had a clear vision of what he wanted and, um, um, sent me some photos and, you know, we did some paint samples and, and stuff like that. And, uh, that's another one, Dara painted all that's gold leaf, like all that's, painted all those graphics are well uh, funny enough there there's some similarities in this bike um to the other custom that i i just did with darn and, and actually he's going to come in here next week and and we'll have him on the podcast so, oh really oh cool. yeah so so this works out well but um the, this project we did for uh wesley schultz um we we really wove in some gold trim uh, and you know and uh for that bike it was a, a scrambler 1200 xe uh-huh and it had those uh, that that really gold, uh, you know, front suspension, that really traditional Owens color. Yeah. Uh, and we wanted to pull that through it, so so we weaved it in, and um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, so, so just some of the areas like the like the knee indents, you did that that nice outline. So a, a few yeah. things that remind me of that bike. Yeah, yeah, that scrambler was one that uh, like, like you said before, that was right when I took this other this other gig and I was supposed to do that bike for you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that would have been fun. I, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it worked out really well. Uh, it, Wesley was super happy with it and, oh, okay. and it was mainly, uh, just paint customization. So I'm, I, yeah. you know, my, my mind is just wandering on, yeah, yeah. Uh, on what would have happened with it. If you touched it, it probably would have blown my budget, but <laughs> uh, nah, it wouldn't have been that much different. Uh, but no, the, so this one's cool. So this one, you said the, uh, the owner had a, kind of a distinct thing in mind yeah. how does that you know at, being a creative how does that work when do you, do you prefer if they have some sense of of what they want or do you just like a, a totally clean palette i like both okay yeah so i have um and it's the same with the art stuff so you know whether it's a bike or you know a sculpture or whatever um I enjoy when when people say, "Hey, I you know I trust your taste. I've seen your other work. Just make it cool." So that's fun, but it's also fun, and it's you know I just like the challenge of um, trying to recreate something, you know. So if somebody sends me pics of something or a rendering or um, even like I've built stuff off of a napkin sketch, you know, and when you can build it and it's exactly what they wanted, you know then that's uh really rewarding too so i don't mind you know if somebody knows exactly what they want then that's kind of fun you know to see if you can meet that challenge of, of sure. them being happy with it how can i get there yeah. yeah and i'm sure you always need it i i um i compare what, what you do and what dar does a lot to a, a really good tattoo artist uh mm -hmm. and i have a few tattoos and i'll, I'll have some idea of what i want yeah, and I can kind of describe it, but I'm not an artist myself. So you know, when the when a good tattoo artist finally sketches it out, it's way better than I ever imagined in my head. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but, for sure. You know, and I'm I'm a horrible. I have a couple tattoos also, and I'm a terrible tattoo client because sometimes I'll take them art. You know, because I have friends that are artists but not tattoo artists. Mm, you know, yeah. and sometimes they really don't like that. You know. So, yeah. Well, and because really just drawing something is a very different medium than yeah i mean just with the the what's possible with the human skin and, and the ink and the shading and things yeah. like that so i mean they, they have to do it a certain way and well sometimes i, I think they're just you know they want to be the creative they want that too yeah yeah so but I, i'm not either way like i'm not uh i like to think i'm a creative person but i don't i try not to get any ego involved you know if you bring me something that you 
created, and I've done this with bikes. Like I've done, uh, just another triumph that I'm working on is, a, um, street triple. And a guy brought it to me a couple of years ago and he wanted to build a custom bike. He took it apart. He had a bunch of stuff powder coated and he, but he needed a custom, um, subframe made. He wasn't a fabricator. He, you know, he took everything apart, but he couldn't make it. So, um, you know, I'm fine. Like I made it just, just how he wanted it, you know, to work with his stuff. And I'm, I'm totally happy to do that kind of stuff too. It's fun. So, you know, just going on to a street triple and like, even on, on your website, you really position yourself as, um, you like to do custom builds on naked sport bikes, yeah. but by definition, a naked sport bike is already pretty naked. Is your goal to, do you take it down even further than, uh, than what it comes from the OEM? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, I don't start with many naked bikes, you know, um, usually kind of a lot of the bikes I do are the late nineties, early 2000, um, air cooled Ducatis, you know, the super sports and they come with fairings and stuff on them. But, um, and then I nakeify them as I like. Got it. So so you say you're a bit ahead of the trend. Uh, I I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I was doing that stuff 20 years ago, you know, but that was the only bikes that were really going naked back then were crashed bikes that really just looked like crash bikes that somebody threw a headlight on, or they were the full on street fighters with like skulls and brass knuckles and stuff all over them. So, um, I try, I kind of call the ones I do now. There's, uh, cafe fighters, you okay. know, sort of a cafe. They're like, you know, yeah, stripped we, down, but they're, you know, they're not as soft and, uh, traditional as a cafe racer. They have a, a little bit of edge to them, but they're not, you know, Full on street fighter. I mean that that's a great description for this white one that I'm looking at. Uh, white tank and and small brown seat, and that's like the only color on it. Do you yeah, know which one I'm talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, that's the, anyway. that's the street triple. So, so okay, so and that that guy. Uh, well, that, that that's funny. So you took a, a street triple and actually gave it some cafe like flair uh, with the tires, I'd say, and the e- color of the seat. Uh huh. That's the one that yeah, the owner of that bike did all that. I just I made the subframe for that. And, okay. um, and then it stayed with me for a while and then he moved, it stayed with him and, um, sat in his living room forever. And he called me one day. He's like, dude, I'm never going to finish this bike. He, he said, do you want to buy it? So he made me a really good deal on it and I just bought it. So that's a 2015. It has four miles on it. No way. Yeah. It's got the PDI. The dealership put it together, rode it around a little bit. He took it, maybe rode it around the block. Then he blew it apart to powder coat it and all that stuff. Um, so what's the plan with it up for sale? It will be. Yeah. I just got to put it together. I'm trying to decide, um, if I'm going to take the easy route and just follow his design and just put it together or, you know, if I'll try to put some of my people like those knobbies, I'm not a hundred percent sold on the knobbies on the street bikes, but, um, every time somebody sees that bike, they flip out. They love it. Well, that, yeah. I mean, just visually, they look very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, if it depends how whoever owns it is going to ride it, right. If if they're going to go and yeah, just rips some you know long, long curvy roads. Hey, they, maybe they're not going to love it. Uh, but I mean, it, it, funny enough, it, it looks yeah. it's making it look pretty off road capable right yeah. now. Yeah, or for the city, you know. Well, those are oh, those, sure. those tires are. Um, they actually do decent on road. I built a hyper motard a couple of years ago that had those on there, and riding around the city was fun because the roads are so rough. And with those, you don't have as much surface area, so you're kind of just skipping along the surface anyway. You know, so it's, uh, it makes a bike kind of lively at, uh, at low speeds. They're, they're pretty fun to ride around town on the Dobbies. All right. Well, yeah, no, this one's pretty cool. And then, uh, the, the last one we have here is actually, you did a build with us last year. We did a, a partnership with Barber International and, and Macy's. So we, mm-hmm. we did a, a total of three of these bikes that were actually ended up being on display, um, for, for a few months in uh, Macy's showrooms, I think in Manhattan, Chicago, and San Francisco. And, and then ultimately they did a big nationwide contest and, and three people won those bikes, but yeah, uh, pretty cool, uh, Steve McQueen inspired build here. Yeah. Yeah. Those were fun. So, um, those really, we used a bunch of triumph accessories, which you guys have a ton of, which is really cool. Um, the number plates, I mean, everything, everything on there came from the triumph catalog. Um, and then just did, uh, we, we found some pictures of old Steve McQueen race bikes 
and then sort of copied the paint. Um, we actually got, Barbara was very specific about that stuff. They sent us actual paint codes, you know, that they wanted for the tank and, oh, and sure. stuff well, like that. Well, yeah, and I, that sort of makes sense because I've seen the collection then. Yeah. So it, it really complements the clothing uh, collection well, which I, that was the point of these bikes and, and why they had them in those um, Macy's displays, right? They, they had it just positioned right next to all the um, that collection at the time. Yeah. It was, it was cool. They sent us a, like a bolt, sort of like a, wasn't a whole bolt, but a few yards of the uh, cotton they used to make their jackets. Oh, very cool. And then they sent me some of the wax. So we had um, uh, uh, Cato, he's a local upholsterer, took all the seats to him. And then, the, um, you know, the little uh, handlebar pad covers and had him make those out of that jacket material. Uh, I can send, I'm looking close and... and- I ended up never seeing one of these bikes in person. So that's super cool. So the handlebar pad and then the seat, or is that both wax cotton? Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so nice. But I had to wax it, so it was weird. I'd never done it. When you get it, it's just like really nice. It's almost like denim, right. you know, except maybe a little bit finer weave, a little finer knit. And so, man, I had these seats. They are all beautiful that Cato did, and, and I got a big goop of this wax. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, please don't mess this up. So, you know, they they turned out pretty good. No, I mean, I, I have a couple wax cotton jackets, and it's some of my favorite things. I, it, funny enough, I, I have this closet full of full of coats that now living in Atlanta, I just can't wear anymore. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're from Wisconsin? Yeah, I'm from, from Wisconsin. So, I mean, I, you know, layer up. Well, it, funny thing, I mean, even living up there, by the time, you know, you get halfway into winter, and my jackets just get smaller and smaller. It stays just as cold, but you just get used to it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and now down here, I mean, I'm there's not really a day where I wear anything heavier than a, you know, light hoodie or a light jacket. So, yeah, that's funny. I've talked to other people that move from up North and usually like one or two seasons, they're freezing again down here. I think your body just acclimates to, to being cold. So right, yeah, we'll I'm, I'm sure I'll acclimate at, at some point, but, but for now, uh, all those coats just sit in the closet. <laughs> so what have you noticed? Like what's the, what's the biggest thing moving South that's different? Oh boy. Well, you know, it, so I didn't, I have a bit of a culture shock. Um, it, it is two things that happened at one time. One, I was, I was leaving Wisconsin and Milwaukee, mm-hmm. uh, but I was also a, a relatively new uh, dad. We had had, uh, my oldest son is four and my youngest is one and a half. Um, oh, wow. So, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, he'll turn two in, in February. So he was so pretty So he was young. a baby. Yeah, he was a baby. But um, what that implied was, uh, we moved to the suburbs Yeah, and I was always a, you know, as an adult, my entire time living in Milwaukee, I I lived in the city. I was a city kid and could walk everywhere. So, um, my, I I think my bigger culture shock is actually getting out of the city, uh, not necessarily moving to Georgia. Uh, so, uh, you know, the double shock. Yeah, it was was definitely the double shock. I I was used to walking everywhere and, um, you know, I moved to Fayetteville, um, the gorgeous neighborhoods. Uh, there is a cool, like, very small downtown area. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, aside from that, it's kind of a lot of a lot of strip mall. Yeah. Uh, so that, suburban that's just, stuff. Yeah, they're very suburban. So, I, like, mm-hmm. I'm not used to that, but it's, it's really easy for me to think that, you know, it's a Georgia thing, and it's really not. It's just a city versus, yeah. you know, the suburban thing. So, yeah. Um, you know, a different stage of life would have moved downtown and it would have felt right at home, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I live in the city. So it's, it's, uh, so, you know, I get tired of that too. Sometimes I think about getting out, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, and then, um, from a riding perspective, I'd say there's, there's great riding here, but it's actually a little bit further away than it was in, in Wisconsin. So I, I lived in the city, but, uh, my parents had a lake house out west on Akanchi Lake, which is, I mean, it truly 45 minutes outside of downtown and, yeah. and it's, it's lake country. And so everything is just windy lake roads. Yeah. I mean, amazing riding, yeah. um, you know, 30, 45 minutes outside of the city. And, and here we have the mountains, but I mean, for me, that's two hours. Yeah. If you're on the South side, yeah, that's far up. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, and last week I was out in LA and got some good riding in out there. Uh, went with, uh, a friend, uh, John, who's a photographer out there mm-hmm. and I mean, he lives in Hollywood, but 20 minutes from his house and we're in Angeles forest. 
Oh, wow. I mean, so it yeah. it's incredible because, like, I think of L.A. and it's, you know, I just think that it's this sprawling metropolis and uh, very congested. Like, in my mind, you know, good riding would be also hours away, but, I mean, the, the mountains are right there, so. Oh, yeah, the topography there is cool. Yeah. Just how the mountains just go so quickly down to the ocean. Yep. It, you know, so you can, you know, kind of have the best of both worlds out there. Yeah, but I mean, so back to your question a little bit. All in all, digging the South. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the winters are really, really nice now. That <laughs> what I ho- I hope yeah. I get acclim- uh, acclimated to the summers. I, I haven't done that yet. Uh, summers are still very hot to me. So the humidity. Yeah, I'm sure. that that too. And um, but you know, hey, we we have these magic windows that are called uh, fall and spring. We've had it, man. So. Obviously, with the COVID and the quarantine and everything, um, at least we had a really nice spring this year. I mean, we had a long, like, perfect spring, and fall's kind of turning out the same way, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. and falls, I feel like it started earlier, so I was freaked out when I got here last year, and everybody told me this is abnormally hot and, like, a abnormally late summer. Oh, so, yeah. And I guess it turned out to be in, in my... Um, my barometer is is baseball season. So the oh. I think the, the week we moved into our house um, was the first week of little kids baseball. Yeah, and I mean I just remember week after week after week of standing, you know, uh, standing there on the well, what do you call it? Not the sidelines. I don't uh, I don't know what to call out, outside of the baseball field. <laughs> <laughs> I think the parent area. Yeah, the yeah. the the designated uh, the parent bleachers. Uh, yeah. and you know it was like two months of still nineties watching baseball practice. And it was pretty miserable. Um, but the, I mean, this year was the entire season was pleasant, like upper yeah. se- upper seventies. Couldn't ask oh, for anything man. better. Yeah. yeah. So nice. So yeah. nice. So and happy to be here. And then, um, you know, the speaking of houses, the one last topic I want, wanted to get to, and we, we haven't really, we we've touched on it briefly is you're doing some amazing furniture. Oh, so so you. I don't know uh, if that's all the like hotel commission stuff, or are you doing kind of your own side projects on the furniture side no, too? No, I kind of dabbled in the furniture, but it's um, the problem with that uh, is that there's so much available. You know, there are a lot of people that do it. You know, the custom stuff, and then commercially available, uh, there's so much too. You know, all the catalog stuff. So it's really hard to make money. I've done some. Uh, you know, tables and stuff on commission, but um, that ends up being so expensive too that it, it's the furniture stuff is really tough. I, I don't even. Well, yeah, uh, th- this is like I, I'm scared to even ask about it. I mean, but I'm I'm just looking at some of these things, and I'm it is. I want to fill my entire house with it. I, I know that's a pipe dream, but <laughs> I mean, it, it looks it, well. Do you fill your own home with it? Uh, yeah, not on purpose. <laughs> it's all it's full of stuff I built, can't sell. Okay. Well, hey, that, that, at least you got a cool house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's the furniture stuff is fun, but it's um you know, it's it's just tough to make money doing that too. The commission stuff you kind of can, but um I I'm really enjoying the art. I like um I do like working for individuals, but uh you know, being part of a big commercial build is is nice working with other businesses, designers and stuff and um I really enjoy that. What about uh? Did you do any like restaurant work? I've done some. Um, I did a big patio. Uh, there's a restaurant called Rena on the Beltline. I did some. So Brandon, uh, their head chef, is in a motorcycle. So he called me one day to I think just I had to shorten the legs on their grill stand or something. You know, in their kitchen they were opening a new restaurant, and then. You know, I did that for him, and then something else came up, and I did that for him, and then they opened this other restaurant. So I just built a big uh, patio, which is really cool, like the um, big bar with some tables and all steel, you know, powder coated. And well, um, that yeah, I, it, and I I brought up the restaurant stuff because it like your style is so distinct with the materials, and I mean yeah. if you're a, if you're a business and you want to set a certain vibe, yeah, uh, you could easily do it just with with the yeah. right custom furniture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. I like that stuff. It's cool. It's hard, like you know, because I work by myself. So sometimes I have to get some temporary help, and uh, I'm getting old, man. All the those big pieces are hard to carry around. Well, yeah, nothing that you build here looks light. Oh, it's not. These look like some some heavy duty, massive. 
pieces and well especially when i first started doing it because i would go get the material it was just drop like scrap material from this big um industrial uh production fabrication shop they did these big uh uh, carts and stuff for automated warehouses so you know they bought everything in 20 or 24 foot sticks and they would always have drops like these big three or four foot pieces of stuff that basically was going to the scrapyard so i'd go over there and just get that for table legs and and stuff so a lot of those tables have like uh four by four quarter inch wall yeah, steel legs i was and, gonna say yeah i'm looking at this uh giant conference table and like one leg looks like it's 100 pounds yeah so. <laughs> that one was fun actually so that one looks really long and skinny but it's got some hidden legs underneath too okay um so you know it looks like i ha- i have a rule that when i build uh tables you have to be able to stand on them without without them getting weird you know so yeah, I um, dig it. So, uh, so you do a dancing test then? Yeah, exactly. Well, that was it. That that's actually a buddy of mine. That's a his office, and I was like, you know, just in case you guys have a wild Christmas party and people want to dance on the table, go for it. <laughs> Perfect. So, not only one person. Yeah, no, multiple. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you got to get multiple on the table. Yeah, exactly. All right, I, I like that standard for a table. Perfect. <laughs> well, yeah. and and some of these look like um, they're still taken from your shop, even. Yeah. So, um, I don't always get installed picks, you know, a lot of the stuff, the art I do pretty much all gets shipped out all over the country. So, um, I try to get, and I, I get some pictures of it installed, but, um, you know, it's, uh, a lot of them, I just have to try to get some while they're in my shop. Right on. Well, I mean, it looks like a very cool space. So actually if we, uh, if we ever do another episode together, which we, we absolutely should once the show comes out. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll swing down there and sure. And record down there. That'll be fun. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Well, well, cool. Actually, uh, it, I think we'll leave it at that and, uh, I'll look forward to the show coming out sometime next spring and yeah. All right. Yeah, cool. There's actually one. I'm, oh yeah. I'm curious Please. about one thing. Yeah. So, you know, we've met before, right? Didn't know much about you. I know you're a super cool guy. Um, I Googled you a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. Uh-oh. Last night. <laughs> let, let, all right. Let, let's see where this is going. And what I think most people, I guess everybody around here probably knows that you're a cage fighter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that And that's uh, funny enough. Uh, this might be one of the first episodes where it hasn't come up. Uh, oh, it, really? Yeah. Well, and I bring it up because I, I don't know, it. I just like to relate to people. Um, There's going to be an episode that uh, will come out sometime in December with, um, with a musician and and like, I don't know. I I can sort of just relate it to um, anything people are doing because it's the thing I'm passionate about. Right. So um, I mean, with spoke with Nick and Ernie and, and with those guys, I mean, they're, what they do, I mean, I, they're athletes, right? I, I consider those guys professional athletes that, you know, their sport is really advanced uh, motorcycling, whether it's stunting or desert racing. And they, and they train for it, and, mm-hmm. and it took a lot for them to do. Um, I, I don't even remember how I compared it to music, but I, but I did somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and now that, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. So, I, I, of course, I, I love... Um, the, I love riding and I love motorcycles, but it hasn't been, um, you know, the, the driving passion in my life. So when I'm interviewing cool guests that, it, that, that is the thing that's, yeah, you know, what they've spent a, a life doing as their main activity, you know, that I, I bring up fighting as, as, um, one way that I can sort of relate to them. Yeah. That's so cool, man. You still in it at all or not since I've moved here. Really? Uh, and now I've. I've done some research. It, it, it took me a long time to find um, a decent gym anywhere close to where I live. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it feels like everything here is on the north side. Yeah. Uh, and I live in Fayetteville, and, and um, yeah. it's just it's growing. Uh, we, we have the the studio, Pinewood Studios, there now, and Pinewood keeps growing. And I think the entire town of Fayetteville is growing because of the studio, which is a great thing. I'm like very happy about that, but. Um, you know, it, it could grow a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, for my taste in, in the near future, and um, but there is a gym in Peachtree that uh, I'm going to check out, and actually, 
once my little, well, so my four-year-old, we put him in a crazy amount of sports. This fall he was in, let's see, uh, karate, soccer, baseball, and gymnastics. Oh, wow. Um, so the baseball and, and soccer are done now. So I'd, I'd like to get him into jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, and this gym starts at uh, a four-year-old. So I, I think, hey, look, look, again, just kind of on my culture shock moving here and into the suburbs. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the similar note, I, I sort of had to give walk away from uh, training. Uh, like when I was training, it was almost a full-time hobby and activity. Yeah, so, I'm sure. Um, between work now and then just, you know, when I'm home trying to be home, that, that was... yeah. The very uh, regrettably, one of the things I had to, to walk away from a little bit. Otherwise, yeah. um, you know, had we not moved here, you know, it, it would have continued to be a thing. Yeah. Uh, I, like I'd, I've retired. I, I don't even know how many times I retired, but, <laughs> uh, but I kept coaching. And so then I was always at the gym. So I'm like, hey, I'm here anyways. Might as well. Yeah. Well, that's Might cool. as well keep going. But it sounds like you'll get back into it. And it's good that everybody around here knows that you could choke them out if. They get out of line. Yeah, so. I mean, hey, it's a, a good thing for people to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so cool, man. Well, thanks again for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jesse. Man, so cool to hear about all those projects that Jesse's been working on. If you want to check out some of his work, just go to his website, jessespade.com, and look out for The Ride That Got Away on the History Channel coming sometime in spring of 21. Till next time, ride safe.